It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our episodes, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you will find. Locked on Packers, the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. Of course, it is Friday, it is Listener Question Friday, and we will get to the Locked on Packers fan hotline material a little bit later, but we do have some injuries to discuss. And unfortunately for Green Bay, when it comes to Personnel advantages, injuries are not going to help them. The Bears are pretty healthy. They have been healthy for most of the season. Basically, all of the Bears' primetime players have been healthy most of the year. Khalil Mack has been in and out of the lineup a little bit. Obviously, Mitch Trubisky missed two games, uh, and they lost one of those games. Nearly lost the Thanksgiving game, but Matthew Stafford uh, just showed no interest in wanting to actually win that one, so the Lions fell in that game, but Green Bay is not quite as fortunate. Obviously, we know the, the serious injuries in terms of guys who have gone on IR, starters, multiple starters are on IR, uh, and the depth of this team has been tested in terms of Impact starters this week. Lane Taylor is back. So Lucas Patrick will be available if Justin McCray struggles to slide in at guard. That is a big move for the Packers. He's been pretty healthy, uh, was listed as a full participant today and yesterday. Remember, Friday designations are approximate. The Packers don't actually practice on Friday. Bashad Breland is listed officially as questionable after not practicing, but Mike Pettin said he expects him to play in some form or fashion on Sunday. Uh, he, he played limited snaps coming back from that groin injury against the Falcons. Obviously played well, had the big pick six, and only played about half the defensive snaps. I think a little bit under, in fact. So he he can make an impact in a limited role. Green Bay needs that playmaking back there, and I don't think they need it per se to win because if you go back to week one, they were relying on Devon House 
uh, to play snaps for them at times. And and Josh Jackson played a lot of that hybrid role. I bet we'll see a lot of Josh Jackson in that role this week with Trey Burton on deck. But Kevin King also played in that week one game and played really well. So if Breland can come in and give them the approximation of the Kevin King snaps, with Jair Alexander being 14 weeks smarter than he was at the start of the season, plus Tony Brown, and then you have the improvement, I would say, at safety with Tremont Williams playing over HaHa Clinton Dix. And I think you can make the case that this secondary is actually in better shape now, assuming Breland can give them whatever they need from him. The problem is the Bears' passing game is better than it was in week one. The last week, notwithstanding, of course, Mitch Trubisky throws three interceptions, and we don't know what his health status is. He may not be 100%, and this is a cold-weather game. Uh, He has not played a ton of those in his career. If the shoulder's not 100%, you want to test him, and you want to hit him, and you want to make his life miserable. That's true for any quarterback any time, but you do want to test him, and not just because you want to hurt him, but you want him to understand it's cold, we're going to hit you, it's going to hurt, and you do want to test the strength of that shoulder because if you're pressuring him, it's harder to make throws off platform. It's harder to make throws when you've got a guy in your face and you can't step into it. It's got to be a little bit more torque on your body and your arm. And if the quarterback's not 100%, that can cause in some off-target throws something Mitch Trubisky is already an expert at. It looks like Kenny Clark is is probably going to play. He came back to play with that wrap on his elbow after the injury, um, but did not practice all week. Joe Philbin did say he doesn't have to practice to play. They trust him. He's played a lot. Even if he does play, he'll pr- he'll play in a limited fashion. I would not expect him to play, you know, the, the kind of you know high 90s percentage of snaps that he's played in weeks past. But that's because they're getting good snaps from Tyler Lancaster and Montrevious Adams and Dean Lowry, so they they don't need as much from Kenny Clark necessarily, but that's a blow in a game where Green Bay is probably going to take a similar tact to what they did in week one, where they used so many of those defensive backs to cover Trey Burton, Tariq Cohen, and they played with light boxes, with light personnel, and said, come come get us. If you want to run the ball 30 times, you know, good luck. We talked about this with Kevin Fishbane yesterday. Good luck if that's how you want to beat the Packers. Because they. their point is, we don't think Mitch Trubisky can be efficient enough, even if you limit his throws. We don't think he can be efficient enough when you ask him to throw. And we don't think you're going to stay patient enough with the run game to beat us with it. And that was a, that was a tact that absolutely worked in week one. Mitch Trubisky was bad in that game for much of it and and played tight, admitted to being nervous, admitted to trying to do too much. And that is that is what Green Bay wants in this game. They want him to be nervous. They want him to play like he did on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers is not going to go into Soldier Field and throw four interceptions. And he is not going to take a safety. So just all of that stuff, the Packers offense is not as good as the Rams offense, but it's also not as careless as the Rams offense with the ball. And, and that's just not going to be a thing that happens. If the Packers defense plays the way that the Rams defense did on Sunday, they're going to win. Now, on the other side, Brian Bulaga, doubtful in this game, rehabbed most of the week. He's not ready. Jason Spriggs, though, the last two weeks has been serviceable. And, and not just serviceable, he's been solid. He's not perfect. 
The communication with Justin McCray I mentioned against Atlanta was not ideal. I think Chicago is definitely going to try some stunts and some twists on that side where they have Khalil Mack coming back inside to try and beat Justin McCray, and he probably will. Rodgers has to be ready to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And I think Green Bay has to play with balance. Spriggs in the run game has shown to be an asset. He can make blocks on the move. He had a couple really nice blocks in space against the Falcons that sprung long Aaron Jones runs, including on the touchdown. Had a great block on that on that 29-yard touchdown run by Aaron Jones. So I think Green Bay, if they want to mitigate this pass rush, one of the things they're going to have to do is be able to run the ball effectively. They're going to have to play with better balance. And what we saw on, on Sunday last week against the Falcons was Joe Philbin constantly changing personnel. You want Chicago to be wondering what they're going to do. You don't want to be predictable by personnel grouping. So come in with two tight ends and throw it. Come in with four receivers and run it. Keep Chicago guessing as to what you're going to do so that they can't key in. So Khalil Mack can't just pin his ears back. And that also means trying to get the lead early. Against the Bears, that is so critical because you want them to feel like they have to throw it. And you want to feel like you can stay balanced so that those pass rushers can't just say, we're going to go hunt all day. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network. And I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big time bonus. And all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, let's get to some of your questions, and let's start with this one from Max in Madison. Hey, Peter. Max from Madison, Wisconsin here. Right now the Packers rank fourth last in rushing plays for offense. Um, I'm wondering your thoughts on how you you feel that influences our ability to win football games this year. Uh, Should we be using Aaron Jones more? I mean, certainly think the answer is yes, but how much of an influence you think that would have? Thanks. Bye. I mean, my stance on this has been pretty clear all season. I felt like Aaron Jones has been an underutilized resource, especially on early downs. This is a, this is a problem Green Bay has had that is a, a strange problem for the modern NFL. It used to be the case and especially if you're a University of Wisconsin fan, you can remember the Barry Alvarez days, even the Brett Bielema days, and I would say even the, the Paul Chris days, where it was run, run, run if you could get a first down, and then run, run, pass if you couldn't. And especially if you had a, a an issue on early downs running the ball. And Wisconsin generally doesn't have issues with that. But the way that that 
teams have often found to become unpredictable is by throwing it on first down. Green Bay has the problem backward. They throw too often on first down. And and here's why that's a killer. Statistically speaking, running the ball on second and 10 is dumb. All uh, there are there is mountains of data to suggest it's just not a smart thing to do because even a even a good run you know, a four-yard run on first down is an efficient run. A four-yard run on second down is not an efficient run because you're left with third and six. So if you throw it on first down, which the Packers do more than any other team in football, and you are incomplete, the, the statistically speaking, the numbers say you should throw it again on second down. Well, now if you are incomplete or you don't pick up five-plus yards, You've become predictable three plays in a row. Now you have to throw it on third and long. What Green Bay did against Atlanta, they found a little bit better balance. They got themselves in third and short a lot, and they converted. Because Aaron Rodgers is back to being healthy. He He can work one, two, three in the progression. If he's still got nothing, bail out. If he's still got nothing, run. That is the Packers' offense. And that is that is useful. That is good. That works. But Aaron Jones can be helpful on first down, one of the best first down runners in football. And when the Packers have run it on first down most of the year, they've been successful. I've written about this multiple times for Acme Packing Company. They need to find ways to have success on early downs. Now against Atlanta, what that, what I really liked that they did was they, they did not run a ton early. They used the quick passing game in place of the run game to get a, to get a comfort level going, to score some points early, and they did. They built a lead, and then they leaned on the run game. And the run game set up the play-action game, and now you've really got something. And I think that is that has got to be the way that this team works. Now, that means you can still run on first down, and regardless of what happens, you got a little quick throw on second. Obviously, you don't want to do the same thing every time, but you can still theoretically go to the quick passing game on second down And hopefully put yourself, if you haven't already gotten a first down, in third and short. And now you can do anything. And and you don't have to run every possession that way because then you become predictable that way. But my point is, that is sort of the ideal formula for this team. They need to run it more on first down. And they need to be a little bit more willing to take those short throws. Aaron Rodgers did it against Atlanta and it worked. I know the numbers didn't look great, but it worked. And, and that is something that I think they need to commit to, the run game and the short passing game moving forward. They work in tandem. Aaron Jones absolutely can be a bigger part of this offense, run game and passing game. And they found ways to get him involved in both on Sunday. And I thought that was great. That's a good sign moving forward, at least this season. And you have to believe whoever they pick next year to run this offense, one of his priorities is going to be finding ways to get Aaron Jones the ball. All right. Let's get to our next question here. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hey, Peter, what's happening? Sean D. from Illinois. I had a thought after Thursday's show. Why don't the Packers try Oren Burks back at safety in the offseason? That's a no-go. <laughs> uh, and, and the reason is he's already put on the, the weight to be playing linebacker. And he's more valuable in the box as a, a bigger safety hybrid player 
because of because he can be useful as a run defender there and in pass coverage than he is as a as a quote unquote safety. He's still not a huge guy, but he is big enough to play linebacker in the NFL. He's he's bigger than Josh Jones, for instance, though not by that much. His value as a linebacker, I mean, if you watch Dallas play, the impact that Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch have on that defense is astonishing because they can run, they can play instinctively, they can play in coverage, they can do everything you want a linebacker to do. That is so useful on a defense. I understand Packers fans are concerned about the safety position, but I don't think moving players around is the, is the solution for that in this case, at least with Oren Burks. Yes, he played some safety, and he was good at it. They moved him to linebacker because they needed him to play linebacker. That star role in the Vanderbilt defense. He can do more of that. And I'd like to see him get some snaps there, uh, especially this week in an offense where they have versatile pass-catching targets at running back and tight end. You know, Whenever the Packers are mathematically eliminated, if that does happen, I'd love to see Burks get many more reps, like significantly more reps, like maybe Blake Martinez just sits out week 17 or whatever it is if, if and when the Packers are eliminated. But if you're going to move anyone to safety, it's Josh Jackson or Tony Brown. Those are the two guys that I view as conversion candidates. And I think right now, Tony Brown is the better cornerback. So I would love to see Josh Jackson. That's a more interesting conversation to me, especially over the next few weeks, do they give him three more games to acclimatize to being a cornerback in the NFL that is required to do more than just play zone coverage? Or do they say, hey, we want you to, to see what it would be like if you played free safety because maybe that is your position down the line in the way that it was for someone like Leroy Butler. I just don't see the value in, in making that switch. I think there are better options when it comes to filling the safety position and getting a guy who you know, has has had some problems diagnosing what's going on, you want that guy a little bit closer to the action where things are a little bit easier to just sort of read and react to and, and you're not having to take in as much information. It, it's sort of see ball, hit ball. That's kind of what you want from your linebacker. So I, I don't see the value in that position switch at this point and, and probably not ever. This one from Corey from Minnesota. Wow, crazy day in Vikings territory. Obviously, this was from earlier in the week. Don't agree with Canning Filippo when Minnesota's in the driver's seat for a wild card berth, but could the Packers realistically land McDaniels as head coach and Filippo as offensive coordinator? Wouldn't that be wild? Yeah, and it's not happening. In the same way that Vic Fangio and Mike Patton as a, as a combination in Green Bay is not happening. It just doesn't work like that. McDaniels is not going to bring in an offensive coordinator like DiFilippo who has all of his own ideas about how an offense should be run. If the Packers are hiring McDaniels, it's to run McDaniels' offense, not DiFilippo's offense. And they're not the same. They're importantly not the same. And yes, it's good to have a lot of good coaches and it's good to have a diversity of thought, but it is also good to have a continuity of ideology. And that doesn't mean, oh, you know, it has to just be these are the plays that McDaniels runs because that's not really how it works. They steal plays in New England, too, just like they do in Kansas City and New Orleans and Chicago. That's not the point. The point is, this is McDaniels show. DiFilippo is a a guy who's going to want to be a head coach sooner rather than later. And they, they just don't mesh from a football standpoint. 
So personality and professionally, it's not a great fit. Plus, schematically and ideologically speaking, it's not a great fit. So it's just, it's not going to happen. It would have made much more sense, Lincoln Riley and Cliff Kingsbury, if you want two hot coaching candidates, put them together. I think that would have made sense and, and could have been mutually beneficial for all sides. It's the same with Fangio and Patton. It's just not going to happen. Just because they both run 3-4 defenses doesn't mean they run defenses that are at all similar because they don't really. Pettin loves to blitz. Fangio doesn't. It's just, they're, they're, it's, a, it's an ideological separation that just because you have two good coaches doesn't mean they're, they're fits together. And they're just not. And I, I understand the appeal there. Two young, really good coaches that have worked with quarterbacks and been successful in the past. You put them together. What can they do with Aaron Rodgers? I get it. It, it's just not practically possible. And it's not about, oh, they should subvert their egos for this and this. It just it just doesn't work that way. It never has, and it never will. All right, I've had a number of questions about rest down the stretch. We talked about Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Kaiser, stuff like that. But this question was interesting to me, and, and I think it's, it's worth exploring a little bit. Hi, Peter. This is Jake Collin from Indiana. I have a question... Uh, kind of like to get your opinion. Um, in my opinion, I think Brian Bulaga, with his uncertainty, should sit the rest of the year, even if healthy, because we have to know if Jason Spriggs can play. we got to know what we got in Jason Spriggs. Against a guy like him back, but he's just not reliable. And i uh, just like to hear what you have to say about that. Thank you. So this is part of the point I was making earlier about Jason Spriggs. Uh, he, he's certainly still growing. He's only 24. He's not a mauler in the run game by any means. And he still has some issues with his balance in pass protection. But the last two weeks especially, he has been solid. And I, I, I think you want him to get experience for sure. And it's worth wondering, is Brian Bulaga a better option at guard? Here's where I where I fall on that, too. You want to get every last bit of Brian Bulaga is a tackle before moving him to guard. Though I do think it makes sense at a certain point in his career to say, okay, we're going to kick you inside, you're going to play guard, and you're our right guard for right now, no pun intended, and we're going to draft this tackle to be our right tackle of the future. And, and maybe that is Spriggs. Maybe he gets a little bit better. Maybe he works on the lateral quickness a little bit. But I'm not convinced of that. I think he makes most sense as a swing tackle, someone that you can just sort of plug in that that sixth offensive lineman in the mix. I think that's where he's best suited, and that guy has value. I mean, having a, a veteran now offensive lineman that you can just plug in when someone gets hurt and, and can give you a game or two, that's valuable. And that was supposed to be Byron Bell, and Byron Bell has been bad. So... Having that be Jason Spriggs, I think, is useful. And then you can have Bulaga at left guard, and either you draft a tackle or you sign a tackle, something like that, because the, the guard market this offseason is a disaster. I think, though, you have to you have to ride it out with Bulaga. And if he can play, you have to keep evaluating him and seeing what the situation is because he's still relatively young. And he's still, it's not like he's 35. He's not even 30 yet. So, I mean, I think there's still value in him. He is still under contract. I think the Packers would be smart to keep him. I know the injury history is a problem, but he's still really good when he's on the field. 
And and that upside value, I think, is worth it, especially because Green Bay, frankly, just hasn't found anyone better. They haven't found anyone that can come in and fill that void. So maybe they can do that with one of their first-round picks. There, there are some really quality offensive tackles in this draft. Maybe, maybe the solution to their right guard problem is already on their team, and they can upgrade right tackle with Bulaga sliding in and, and dealing with the injury issues. If you take all of that into consideration, they could they could stand probably to upgrade there just because Bulaga's injury questions are real for this team. But I still think you give him as long as you can and you keep Jason Spriggs as a backup because he has value there. I'm not I'm not willing to just write him off Spriggs as a starter. But at this point, he has not shown enough to where he deserves to be that. But again, he's one of those guys, for sure, that if the Packers do get mathematically eliminated, that's the guy you put out there. And you just say, okay, we're going to see what you got. Because he's been good enough that putting him out there does not put your quarterback at risk. If you're going to play a bunch of backup offensive linemen, Aaron Rodgers can't be on the field. I would like Aaron Rodgers to still be on the field, at least through week 16. Maybe in week 17, you let Deshaun Kaiser play. But Spriggs is is better than that and should get the opportunity to at least compete for the right tackle job moving forward. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread i don't know about you guys but when i eat pizza i eat it for the toppings not the crust and when i eat a sandwich it's for what's inside the bread not for the bread but when i throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds thin sliced bread from dave's killer bread it is the epitome of addition by subtraction that thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste killer texture killer nutrition a subtle sweetness and a seed coated crust dave's killer bread is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store this episode is brought to you by shell college football is best enjoyed at home you know the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of seventy thousand screaming fans but wherever you are espn and shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for fuel rewards members at shell welcome home football fans terms and conditions apply see fuelrewards.com fuel your fandom for details shell is an official sponsor of espn college football espn the espn logo and espn college football are registered trademarks of espn incorporated I want to end on this question because I know it's on the minds of a lot of Packer fans. Hey, Peter, this is Miguel from Mexico. Love that international question. I think not our first, but the only one of recent vintage. I wonder if the Packers keep improving this season. You think Philbin becomes a strong candidate for the head coaching job, and would it be a good idea? No and no. (laughs) I don't think he gets legitimate consideration as the Packers' next head coach. They said that. Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst said he will, but that's because you have to. Because if you say no, then what is he doing? You have to empower him and motivate him to do his best. Even if, you know, he's still a professional, he's still getting paid, he's still going to give effort because he's auditioning for next year. But you can't say, no, Joe Philbin is, has no chance of being our head coach. Like the, the Browns know good and well, Greg Williams is not going to be their head coach next year, but they have to say, 
yeah, sure, we'll consider him if he does a good job. Or you say, you basically say nothing. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to comment on the search at all. Joe Philbin, even if the Packers win out, they're probably not going to the Super Bowl, let's be honest. And if we're if we're being honest the other way, if they do, maybe he does deserve to be the head coach. Because if they do, it'll probably be because the offense unlocked some hidden pieces that we hadn't seen before. And the offense starts playing lights out. We know that the defense would have to play well, which means Mike Patton deserves to stay. And maybe you do just run it back. And you just you give him a year contract or a two-year contract and say, okay, we're going to basically treat this year to year. You, if you do well next year, you can stay again. I don't think that's the best option. I think in a perfect world, you'd rather have a younger coach, someone that can grow with this franchise, not just because I think it would it would benefit Aaron Rodgers, but because I think you have to start looking beyond Rodgers at this point. Not that, you know, his his demise is imminent. I don't think it is. But if you get someone like Josh McDaniels, for example, and I know I've said that a lot, but Lincoln Riley, Matt LaFleur, any of the names that are out there, Eric Bianimi, they're younger. And they could be a coach for the next 10 years, not just the next five, not just shepherding the, you know, the, the final years of the Aaron Rodgers era, but also maybe, you know, building up Deshaun Kaiser, Tim Boyle, the next quarterback the Packers draft or bring in. All of that has to be in consideration here. And I just don't think we've seen anything from Joe Philbin to suggest that that's him. And and the most likely outcome is the Packers, you know, even if they sneak into the playoffs, they lose in round two or even round one. So we haven't seen a lot from this team to suggest they could go on some miraculous run. But, you know, look, we, we hadn't seen a ton from that 2010 team either. It can't be totally ruled out. I'm, I'm just not going to hold my breath for it. All right, Packers, Bears on Sunday. I, I think this is going to be a really close game. I can't predict a Packers win, but I think something like 24-21, something like that, a, a late stop or a late field goal for the Bears wins it. Packers cover the spread, though, and I th- but I think they're going to play well. I don't think they're going to lay an egg. I don't think they're going to get demolished. I don't think they're going to get embarrassed. And I could absolutely see Green Bay going in and sealing this game. You heard Kevin Fishbane yesterday. He he all but predicted Green Bay would win. And, and that, I thought, was astonishing from a guy who covers the Bears week in, week out, understands, is in their locker room, understands the, the quality of that coaching staff. But the Packers are not going to be scared going into Chicago. I think that matters. I think that that translates. And I think Green Bay gives Chicago everything it has this weekend. I would not be surprised if Green Bay won this game and kept its playoff hopes alive. I just can't go so far as predicting it. I've been wrong all season, so you should hope I'm wrong again. And then we'll be back on Monday to break it all back down. So remember, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the show on, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And if you want to send in a question for one of these Friday shows, you can do that at 920-341-3775. Packers Bears on Sunday, so stay locked on Packers.